What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 102 of the Game Explained Real Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Derek Bittner, and this time I'm joined by John Cartwright, his first time appearing on the podcast despite helping out with Game Explained for quite a bit uh, in the last month or so, uh, probably even more, more than that at this point. But yeah, no Andre and Ash this week. Ash is still asleep because he was uh, helping his wife celebrate her birthday yesterday, so that wasn't happening. And Andre's currently in Texas helping his family uh, move into their new place. So he's being the responsible guy, helping out with family, eh, whatever. <laughs> but, <laughs> but how are you doing, John? Yeah, I'm doing great. Um, it's it's great to finally be on here because, um, well, um, before I started helping out with Game Explain, I, I was a Game Explain fan. So um, I've been listening to the podcast myself for a while now, so it's going to be kind of surreal oh, wow. to hear my own voice on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I gotta say, people have been enjoying the voice. People love the the I, that that deep British flavor, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get a lot of um, um, James Earl Jones comparisons, which I'm not really. I'm not. I don't, I don't sound anything like him, so I don't know where I they can, come from. I, I think if we lowered your voice just a few a bit more, then we could get to James Earl Jones territory. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I'll try and push for that next time. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! But uh, yeah, you've been helping us out a lot, uh, particularly each weekend with your um, with your uh, under the super scope series, which I frankly just really enjoy. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, well, I just I've been helping out for a little while now. I've done little bits and pieces since about probably November. Mm -hmm. I did um, the Skyrim review was my first right right um, proper piece, and. Um, I my first discussion was Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which I think was April or May of last year. So I've I've been around for a while, but I've not really been um, prominent until recently. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's been it's been a lot of fun though to finally um, help help you guys out. And um, I, th I think my my first stressful thing was working during uh, the week of Switch, because. Oh, yeah, <laughs> just thinking back to that now. Uh, um, one of my videos, I was given quite short notice um, to just sort of do it on the day. I didn't have anything like put together at all, so that was a bit of a rush. And then um, that was during the big winter period too, so uh, it was like a storm outside, which really badly affected my internet. So actually getting it down to you guys was even worse. Um, <laughs> we made it through though. <laughs> just yeah. a little, little bit of stress. <laughs> I, exactly. There's always those moments where you're like, "Oh God, what do I do? This just it's so much is going wrong. What do we do?" And then somehow you you manage, you know, <laughs> like yeah, it, it, it always comes together in the end. <laughs> somehow, one way or the other, yeah, it it really does. Because um, I know Andre was working on that video we posted today as we're recording this. His uh, how Breath of the Wild link could work in. Uh, Smash Brothers, and um, I got a I got a message from him on Thursday. It's like so. It was, he was like, so yeah, I just finished recording, and I literally leave uh, for the airport in an hour. Could you put this together for me? I'm like, all right, send it over. <laughs> and thankfully, you helped me out with that because I'm actually my dad got a Switch, and so I let him borrow. Uh, two games, uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and Breath of the Wild. So I no longer have Breath of the Wild on me. So I'm like, crap, what do I do to get this footage that I need? And f thankfully, yeah, uh, you were around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully that's uh, that's usable. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, you were a lifesaver there. So thank goodness for that. The funny thing is, is my dad, I, I might have said this before, I give him those two games to play hasn't touched him once he's been oh, of course he's been addicted to stardew <laughs> valley that's all he plays 
Wow. <laughs> okay, that, that, that's still, that, that's a great game to play. Oh, yeah. I mean, he that, was always in the Isn't that always game. the case when you lend games, though? Like, you ask them a month later, so how was that game? Like, oh, I haven't started that yet. That's always the case. <laughs> <laughs> and then as soon as you start, like, oh, I'll ask for it back. Oh, I'm going to play it soon. I, I, I swear. Mm-hmm. They don't want to give it up. <laughs> Did you ever have those guys that um, barred a game and then disappeared? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um... Uh, I, I lent. I, I have a couple of Game Boy Advance SPs. This happened quite recently, mm-hmm. and um, one of my friends really wanted to play Pokemon Red, the original, again. So I said, "Okay, why, why don't you take one of my Game Boy Advances and and Pokemon Red, and you can just sort of play through that and then give back to me when you're done." Um, and then that person just kind of left town and never came back. Oh no! So, so they they ran off with my with my yeah, wait, Game Boy Advance and Pokemon Red. Thankfully, I have that on 3DS, so it's not the biggest loss, but no, but still, still, kind of, still kind of sucks. Yeah, it still kind of sucks to have that to to lose that bet. It, it's happened to me before. I can't remember specifically which game. Uh, nothing too big, I think. Um, honestly, what happened? Honestly, I ended up being one of those people where um, a friend let me borrow um, Tales of Symphonia on GameCube, and uh-huh. then uh, he left college like he's the one that left and he, I completely forgot to give it back to him he completely forgot to get it back from me so I ha- I, I got a, I have a copy of Tales of Symphonia for GameCube that I beat back in college and I, the funny thing is I did see him years later and I was like oh by the way I still have your Tales of Symphonia because I felt bad about taking it he's like yeah I, don't care. <laughs> I already bought a new copy just take, take uh, keep it although I think he did get me back because when I saw him again he asked to borrow Final Fantasy 13 too and I let him borrow that, and he never got it back. So I guess it was kind of a trade-off. I think I yeah. made out in that deal, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tales of Symphonia is quite a... Um, well, I'm not sure about American prices, but it's quite a pricey game here in the UK. Uh, I, I actually got it... Um, I think it might have been this, this last Christmas. My fiancé got it for me, and um, yeah, it's a little bit of an investment here now. Yeah, I mean, thankfully there's that HD version that came out, so it's a little easier to pick up and play, but... I, I saw the prices back before then. I was like, holy cow, I did not realize this game was so rare. But I guess GameCube and RPGs did not happen very often. No, it's pretty much, um, it was that. And I guess Skies of Arcadia Legends, um, which was you know, a Dreamcast port. Uh, and my mind's uh, blanking on the rest. I'm Bat, Bat, Bat and Kaito, I think, were two that's, of them. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Yeah, but apart from that, you're kind of... Um, you're skimming for RPGs there. Kind yeah. of the same with the Dreamcast. Dreamcast didn't have too many RPGs. Yeah, not really. And honestly, the I mean, still better the situation than the N64, which I think had three RPGs. Right, like Paper Mario, uh... Ogre Battle, and Quest 64. <laughs> Quest 64. <laughs> I mean, two-thirds of those are good. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness, but yeah... It, it, it's funny how that can end up happening, and you feel bad. But I actually now, if I if I lend out a game, I go on my phone immediately, make a note like this person has this game. <laughs> that way, I do not lose track because it's it's very really easy to forget. Like where is it? And I, I the, speaking of which, I'm, I have to make sure that Andre doesn't become one of those people because he was going to do a video on Super Mario Sunshine. I think two three years ago. <laughs> so he, he asked me, he's like, hey, can I borrow your copy of Super Mario Sunshine? All right. So I let I brought it with me to an E3, I think, and let him have it. And um, 
then uh, he never did the video. He just never got a chance to do it of whatever. I don't I have no idea what the video is going to be, but it's it's gone now. I'm sure it's never going to happen. And he hasn't given me back sunshine yet because, well, the last time I was there and asked him about it, it's in his garage and he can't find it. So I'm not oh, sure. No. He might have found it by now. I can't quite remember, but... Andre might be one of those people, so uh, shame him. <laughs> so, so all of this hatred for Mario Sunshine, and he technically doesn't even own the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he oh, he did a purge that just killed me. I, has he told you about this? I've talked about it before in the podcast, where he decided to get, like, he does not like box copies anymore. He doesn't want physical versions. So we got rid of all of his boxes Ooh. for all of his games. It just has them in like slots, like like disc slots for CDs and whatnot. Oh, no, that, that kills me. I know, I'm, same I'm kind here. Of a, I'm, I'm in that situation kind of because um, my current flat is pretty small. Mm-hmm. So um, most of my game cases are at my parents' house, which I hope to um, move to a larger place um, whenever I get the chance to. Mm-hmm. So in my current flat, I actually have all of my, my games in, um, in either drawers with the cartridges or just a giant folder for discs. Um, but that's because I have to. Like, I, d- I do not choose to live this way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being forced against my will. <laughs> so I have I have a shelf which just um, displays all my favorite games. Well, as many as I can fit on there. Mm-hmm. And then everything else is just shoved into, um, unfortunately, shoved into a, a big disc sleeve. So, yeah, I, 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 I understand. Like, it's, it's, um, it's the easiest way to do it without cluttering up everything. But I, I love boxes too much. I, ca- I can't... Mm-hmm. Um, be without them. <laughs> Same here. It's been weird for me for the Switch because I'm so used to buying physical and I've bar- I maybe bought four or five physical Switch games at this point and all the rest I get digital mainly because well, I keep getting sent games by Nintendo and they always do the digital version for the reviews and that covers most of the big games I want to play or they're on the eShop. So Switch has ended up being a digital machine for me which is weird because I love having those boxes. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely know what you mean. Um, I was almost a bit confused what to do at first when getting sent uh, digital review copies. Like during the Wii U, um, I think one of the games was um, Xenoblade Chronicles X, mm. which I was sent for a review. And um, then the game came out, and like, I felt like I needed to have a physical version of it just to go along with my download. So I went to get the special edition, uh-huh. and then just ended up selling like the the actual game disc. So I have the box, which is just empty at the moment. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> And I did that for a few games. I did that for a few Wii U games where I felt like I just needed to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not done it with Switch. Like I've, I've kind of gotten out of that mindset now. But um, yeah, I, I always felt like I needed to just have a physical version, even if I don't even have the game <laughs> inside yeah. the physical version. So as long as I have a box, I'm okay. I mean, I, I, I had to have the game too because I did the same thing where I got the physical version of X uh, just because I wanted to have it. did the same for Bayonetta because at the Wii U time, it was also like, I, I don't know. I feel like I should have the physical version more than anything else. But X was the game that forced me to get an external hard drive for my Wii U because they had all those, like, updates, like the, like the free thing to make it run better. I was like, well, mm-hmm. I need to have the best experience, so let's download all that. And they're huge. They were huge yeah. to get rid of. They, like, they alone would, would fill up your Wii U's internal memory. And it's like, shoot, I have to get this external hard drive finally. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I really overestimated how much I'd, how much space I'd need on Wii U. At launch, I got a two terabyte hard drive, Oof. and by the end of Wii U's life cycle, I maybe I maybe used um, I don't know like eighty gigabytes of that. So oh gosh. I have this I have this external hard drive which um, I think you can only use on Wii U. Like once you format that for mm. Wii U, you can't really use it on anything else. 
So that just sits there with space that I'll never use. And um, I, I don't know why I went for two terabytes. I thought, like, maybe I'd need it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You never I know really what the game's going to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I think I went to a terabyte. I, I, I'm pretty sure I went kind of big, too, because I just was like, oh, well, I'm getting these huge games. And then nothing. I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that's the way it goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, hey, when it when it's time for the Wii U to eShop to die and whatnot, we can, we can just go on a game shopping spree and have plenty of space. Absolutely. Because of all that time, you'll play on the Wii U. <laughs> oh, poor Wii U. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's, I think there's a reason people have been begging for Wii U ports. It's like, let's get, just let us get rid of the system, like, so we can move on, <laughs> get us the good yeah, stuff, that, and let's move on. That, that is the thing, because there are there are great Wii U games. Oh, there yeah. are some really great games. Like some of them are the best of all time. Like Tropical Freeze, I think, is mm-hmm. one of the best platformers ever, um, and it's great for people can finally play that without having a Wii U, because uh, the system was always the barrier. People just didn't want to have this system. Like part of it was branding, because we use an awful name. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the other part is just it's not that appealing. Like no one really understood the gamepad. Um, the price was kind of weird. It wasn't that attractive of a system. So yeah, I like that the games can now survive away from being away from the Wii U. Yeah, that's that's a good thing, and I think Nintendo realizes it as realizes it as well. Like I'm, I would not be surprised to see another Wii U port uh, announced at E3. Yeah, same. I mean, there's there's still a few that that can get ported. Oh yeah, there's um, there's uh, there's a few I really want to. I want Tokyo Mirage Sessions yes. to be ported because I actually, I love that game, um, and no one really seemed to talk about it even when even when it came out. the The press was kind of um, muted for that game, um, but it, it was it was really good though. Um, it was probably one of my favorite HD Atlas RPGs. Oh wow! Um, I, I, I might even prefer it to Persona Five sometimes. Wow! Like I I own yep. it. I got it. Um, I just completely ran out of time like it was one of, i feel like it was released during one of those insane periods where i had to pick and choose and it's like well this game isn't that huge it's not getting a big audience so mm-hmm. i have to sacrifice it you know i can't do an actual review yeah, for that it. makes sense uh but i did play up until the end of the second dungeon i want to say maybe third i can't remember and i did enjoy what i play played uh, i had it had a very interesting hook to it so I, I i agree with you it really does deserve a second chance on the switch Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, another game I'd like to see is um, uh, Facial Frame: Maiden of Blackwater. Yes, because that got that got such a um, a bad release in in the West, where um, in America it was only on the eShop, and in um, in Europe it only got it was on the eShop, but it also got a um, a limited edition release where it um, was a basically Xenoblade Chronicles X's special edition, hmm. but they just kind of changed the contents around a little bit. Huh. We didn't get a proper. We didn't get like a standard release. It was just the limited edition. That's weird. Yeah, and it was a pretty good game. Like, um, I'm not great with horror, but I still enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, quite I, know, a lot. I know Ash enjoyed it. So, and I, I give him a heck when he t- said he got scared by certain things. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little, being a little scaredy cat, <laughs> which is actually I find I find that really interesting that you're not too big into horror yet you really like Dark Souls and Bloodstained. Uh, yeah, that's so so weird, isn't it? I, I love um, I love Resident Evil Four. I love Dark Souls. I love Bloodborne, um, but I'm not great with horror. Yeah, I I, um, I like I guess the more gothic kind of um, styles, but when it comes to the sort of jump scares and um, being like hunted down, 
I, I can't deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember if I've ever told this story on the podcast before. I feel like I have after 102 episodes. I've probably told a lot of stories multiple <laughs> times at this point, and I apologize for that. But hey, maybe you guys forgot them too. Uh, with Resident Evil, it was really funny. Uh, the one, like, we'd go over to this one friend's basement. There'd be like eight of us or something like that. So half would be playing Halo on the Xbox, and there was another TV set up, and I brought my GameCube over. And I was showing off um, uh, Red, the Resident Evil remake and mm-hmm. just letting friends play it, let, let them experience it, because they'd never played Resident, e- Resident Evil before. And uh, we were all sitting on the same couch, and it was sort of in the middle of the room. And they got to the part where you go through the one hallway the opposite direction and the dog jumps through the window. Oh, I, I knew exactly what you were going to say when you said that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Scared the crap out of them. All all the guys that were watching uh, Resident Evil jumped back, screamed, and um, flipped the couch backwards, sending the Halo players going backwards as well. So we just all ended up in this pile of, like... Uh, whatnot, and we could just hear the. Um, I think it was Jill getting eaten by the dog. <laughs> a very, very fond memory of that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not much a horror, of a horror guy, but that is such an iconic moment mm-hmm. in both the original and the Genki remake. Like it's 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 like the highlight of of gaming horror. That is just such a great moment that gets absolutely everyone. Oh yeah, because you go through it how many times? Nothing happens. So like, okay, this room is safe, and yeah, they get you. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> But what have you been playing lately, uh, John? Um, so for um, Under the Superscope, I've been playing um, quite a few Sonic games, because that's going to be the next episode, is Sonic 2. Um, oh, nice. But I like to sort of capture like a variety of footage so I can sort of reference other games. Um, so even ones that aren't really going to be part of the episode, I've sort of been playing alongside them. So I've played through all the original Sonic trilogy, the first three games, mm-hmm. um, a little bit of Mania, and also some of the Boost games. I did um, Generations and Unleashed. And it's kind of funny going back to them, because um, Sonic 1 in particular, I think, has quite a few flaws. Yeah. Um, it's still a great game, but um, the pacing's kind of weird having three acts per zone. It gets a bit grating after a while. And they like to reuse elements from previous areas. Like, you'll go through one loop-de-loop, and then all of a sudden you'll go through a very, very similar area to what we just ran through. And that doesn't really happen in other Sonic games. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sonic 1, I think, is still good, but not, not um, amazingly good. Uh, Sonic 2, though, is one of the... I think it's one of the best and most consistent games in the series. Oh, I, God, I yeah. love Sonic 2. It is, it so, is a hard choice you... for me deciding between Sonic 2 and Sonic 3 as my favorite. I was just about to ask, where, where do you lie on the, um, I, the original I, trilogy? I have to give it to 3. 3 is just... I have so many fond memories of 3. 2 is really good, though, because I played that endlessly, because... As a kid, you know, you're not as good, and I could get to the final boss fight, and good luck learning patterns. Like, I would try to learn those patterns for both um, Mecha Sonic and, of course, the uh, Death Egg Robot. Oh, And, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, as a kid, trying to figure those out, trying to have the patience, trying not to be nervous, uh, doing it all, and having to go through all of it again if you mess up. Like, it was, like, it was, it's one of those very memorable challenges as a as a, as a kid and when you finally get it it's like yes yes 
Never collected all the Chaos Emeralds, though, because screw the half-pipe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I only found yeah. about a... I thought, I, for the longest time, I only thought uh, Supersonic was a cheat, because a friend would show me debug <laughs> mode and I'd turn on Supersonic, and that's how I knew about Supersonic. And so I was like, oh, okay, it's just a cheat to have... A, it's like, it's cool, they have an extra graphic here to show, show that you're invincible and can do all this stuff. That's cool. And did not realize it was connected to the reward of the Chaos Emeralds. I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So for for those who haven't actually played Sonic 2, um when the final boss when you have um the robot Sonic uh and um Death Egg, there are no rings in this level mm-hmm. and you do both these bosses back to back and um they don't, they don't the first boss in particular doesn't really tele, telegraph um their moves that well. Um Mm-mm. so you never like there's this one move where he does a spin dash which can either do a little jump in the middle or go straight along. And the only really way to know is through trial and error. Like, there's, there's no real way to actually know what they're going to do. Um, so it's very tricky. And actually, us playing on the on the PlayStation 3 collection, um, I can't remember the name of that one. Oh, the uh, Sonic's Ultimate Genesis collection. That's it, mm-hmm. yeah. So I actually use save states during that, so that's a little <laughs> little secret. Oh, there. okay. Um, so <laughs> so uh, back in the day, I could do it flawlessly. Now, uh, I, don't, I don't have the time to remember I haven't this. tried it in a while. I might be able to do it. I'm not sure. I probably have more lives to work through it this time, so because that was always a problem. Because those, those yeah. final few levels of Sonic do get pretty tough. They do for sure. I think um, Metropolis Zone in Sonic Two as well. Um, that's not the best designed of levels. Um, they they love putting those um, those crabs that expand that expand, um, expand their arms like right at the edge mm-hmm. of those giant um, spinny. Uh, wheel sequences. Yeah. So you go all the way up there, dodging these um, exploding starfishes, and you get right to the top, and then a crab just punches you off, <laughs> and you fall back all the way down to the bottom. <laughs> yep, and the, either them or the slicers, where they... Yeah, oh, God, though. Yeah, uh, yeah. those two. They, they, those, those enemies are infamous because of the because of Metropolis Zone. It's uh, it's awful, but... Man. Yeah, and Metropolis Zone is the only one to be three acts long as well. So that is true. <laughs> if you don't like this zone, you got to deal with it for another act. <laughs> it's like, remember getting to that point, it's like, wait, what the heck? <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> but, oh man, I'm trying to remember the the, um, the cavern level. I, I I love the music in that level. That is oh, Mystic so, Cave Mystic Zone. Cave, that is, that's it. Yeah, that's my favorite track in the entire game. I love Mystic Caves. I think that is uh, that works so well to me as uh, Halloween music. For and for some reason, I oh, don't yeah. know why, I have that music associated with Ernest Scared Stupid in my head. I don't know why yeah. there, there's a connection there. <laughs> Maybe it's because of the opening bit song bit in Ernest Scared Stupid sounds kind of familiar to me. But I, I still like the song. Like it's stupid catchy. Yeah. We um a few years ago, some friends and I had a Halloween party, and Mystic Cave Zone was just in the playlist in the background. Like we couldn't not put that in there. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! That's so good. Yeah. Oh um yeah, it's interesting having um that that one pit just full of spikes. Mm-hmm. Where in the mobile version, at least to another level, but in the original Mega Drive version, you go on those spikes and you're sort of you're you're just doomed. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're no done. Way of getting out of there. <laughs> I, I I never saw it myself, but I think they explained it away in the manual. Like there's like sometimes Robotnik has these devious traps because they knew it was a flaw, but they couldn't uh but they couldn't didn't have time to fix it or something like that. So they just said, yeah, if you come across any weird glitches or stuff like that, it's one of Robotnik's devious uh, traps. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so that, that that's, that's pretty good. But I think everybody fell for that pit. 
Yeah, absolutely, they did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, apart apart from Sonic, I've not really been playing that much. I did some of the um, the Blaze Blue demo, um, Cross Tag Battle. That was a lot of fun. Um, I've not played that much Blaze Blue in my life. I played the original Calamity Trigger because mm-hmm. um, that that was um, weirdly enough had crossplay between 360 and PC. Oh, and um, I had a friend at the time who was a big PC gamer, and that was the main reason I got this game so we could play together. And it was, it was one of the very few 360 titles that allowed that. So I think there, there was Shadowrun, um, I think Final Fantasy XI might have supported it. I think so, yeah. Yeah, it, it just, it's a, a very elite group of cross-play 360 games. So I played a, quite a bit of Blaze Blue in, back in the day, but um, most of my knowledge has just escaped my mind. I can't remember how to play this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, it's, it's still a lot of fun, though. I'm a huge Persona 4 fan. Um, last... Was it last? I think it might have been the summer after and um, before last summer. I spent the um, entire week just playing Persona 4 Golden, and um, I just I fell in love with that game. I, I, some, some of my best friends are in that game. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. No, I, I, I've not yeah. beaten it. My beaten Persona 4 myself, but I do really like what it did. Like the first Persona game I actually beat was Five, and that was because I was determined oh, wow. to not let it, you know, rot. As because I've been away, be away for so long. So mm-hmm. it was one of those things. That's what happened with Persona 4. I stepped away for a while. It's like, crap, what was I doing? I guess I have to restart over. <laughs> that happens so yeah, much oh, with RPGs. Oh, I do that. I do that all the time with RPGs. Like, I'll, I'll start playing, and then I'll leave it for a month, and then I just feel the need to restart from the beginning again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I, I would feel that temptation with Persona 5, but I was like, no, no. Mm-hmm. Just just start playing. You'll get. You'll remember. Just go, because I, right. that game is too long to just stop and to be like, ah, I'll start over. No big deal. Yeah, it's not that kind of game. No, it is. I like I like to look at it as like an anime where you kind of um, you come along every week and you you see a couple of episodes and then you come back the next week. Yeah, that's so a I try to do good that, way to put it. I try to do it with Persona Three, but um, that game always loses me. I've I've tried the PS2 version. I've tried the PSP version. Um, I just get bored of Persona Three though. Hmm. Is it because so the dungeons are randomized or? Partly, partly, yeah, that's part of it. And there's also one um, one centralized dungeon called Tartarus, mm-hmm. where you sort of just go through some very, very similar rooms, and it's very grindy and kind uh, of boring. It's kind um, of like the um, oh, the underground uh, in Persona Five. I can't remember what it's called off the top. It's of my similar head. to that. Yeah. Uh, that that that's that's a bit better than Tartarus, but it's it's similar in execution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I, can't, I, can't, I can't think of the name either. But it's it is it's not as that's that's better than Tartarus, but it's still along the same uh, wavelengths. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's one of the Persona three and four two games I I do want to get back and play because people just rave for those games, especially you know four. Um, and I did get I got up to Kanji uh, to Kanji's dungeon uh, in four. Oh, so you were a, you were a fair way through. Mm-hmm. I made good progress, but the thing was, I was also worried about. I was like, saw that there's like, oh, there's this bad ending you can get. I'm like, oh crap, I don't want to get the bad ending. And I thought, what well, my interpretation was, in order to not get the bad ending, you had to maximize every single social link. Oh. And so, <laughs> and so, what I was doing, I was I was playing along with a guy that like said, okay, make sure you do this with this person at this day, this with this person at this day, uh, go here, do this, make sure to get done with this point to this. I was like, oh my god, it's like I think that killed a lot of the fun. And so when I found out you didn't need to do that for the Persona games, made me enjoy five a lot more. So four, I do want to go back to and just sort of take my own pace with it, you know. 
Yeah, I, I do recommend um, using a guide just to figure out what, what makes you get the bad ending, because it is a little bit random. Mm -hmm. well, you, have to, you have to sort of go against your instincts towards the end, because it, it is a near, near, um, it's near the end of game that you make this decision. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it doesn't necessarily make sense, so maybe uh, look at a guide if you're planning to get the good ending. Yeah, I, I think that's what happened with me with uh, Persona 5 as well. Like I had... I, I looked at like my instincts. My instincts would have led me to the bad ending because I'm like, I, I think they're leading me in a certain direction, but I'm also like second guessing myself. I was like, oh god, what is the right choice here? So I just looked it up. Yeah, so, like, and another funny game actually for that is uh, Cave Story, where um, to get the good ending, you have to sort of like, there's this professor in the game who's an ally, and at one point in the game he falls down into this pit, and. To get the good ending, you don't go down and see if he's okay. You just ignore him and keep going. That's so, so weird. Yeah, it's really weird. So I, I, have, I have no idea how people... Like, it's really hard to make the jump, too. Like, if you want to ignore him, you have to make a really precise jump. So not only are you going against the instincts of what you should do, but you're also trying to almost break the game to get the good ending. I'm not so sure if I like... I, I've heard amazing things about Cave Story. and The music is phenomenal, but I'm not a fan of that idea. <laughs> No, that yeah, I, I, I mean, it's one of my favorite indie games ever. Mm -hmm. But I agree with you. That is such a it's such a weird, <laughs> weird idea. <laughs> exactly. Oh man, I'm 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 such a sucker. I cannot wait for the dancing games, uh, for Persona oh, yeah. Three and Five because I was addicted to Dancing All Night on PS Vita. Like I bought a Vita for that game, and I don't regret it one bit. It is so good. Mm hmm. As much as I love Persona Four, I've not played a single of the spin-offs. I've not played Dancing All Night, I've not played the Arena games. I mean, the closest I've played to a spin-off now is that Blaze Blue game. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I... I, I don't know. I, 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 for some reason, I just... I like the music, and I started playing. It's like, man, this is, this is actually just fun. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, I, I watched a lot of your coverage around the time. Um, it, it looks so good. I have, no, I have no idea why I haven't picked it up. I don't really have any excuse for it. So I've got to get around to that someday. Mm. I, I might jump in with um, with three and five dancing. They look really yeah. good. I'm really hoping the there's a bundle coming out in Japan that collects all three games into one mm -hmm. package. But I think it's a limited edition release. So hopefully that comes to the states as well. Because man, to have dancing all night on PS4, I'll replay it. I'm totally down to replay so, it. Is dancing all night exclusive to that package? I think so. Yeah, you cannot. I That's don't think really it. Weird. Yeah, I don't know why they do that sometimes. So they ported an entire game yep. <laughs> just to make it so it's limited to a certain bundle. That that's really weird. Yeah, it is. I I don't get it, but I'm guessing. Hopefully, that limited edition bundle is not that limited edition because it's it's Persona Four. People want this game. People love that game. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As far as uh, cross-tag battle, it is something I want to check out. Uh, I just haven't had the time to get to it because I actually am a big fan of Blaze Blue, at least the first two games. I haven't, I kind of didn't have time to play the third game and beyond. Um, uh -huh. But it's one of those games I picked up because I heard everybody talking about um, uh, Guilty Gear for so long. And it's like, okay, here's a fresh start for me to get into. And I jumped right into multiplayer because I actually had friends to play with at the time and the uh, you know they, they were interested as well, and we jumped right into multiplayer. And for some reason, we picked um, Lynn and um, blank on the name because it's been so long. Lynn and the Cat Girl, and um, the Cat Girl immediately says, 
it's the booby lady. I'm like, what? Oh, no. <laughs> that was my first introduction to this game was just her shouting out, it's the booby lady. I'm like, what the hell is going on in this game? But then the mechanics were a lot of fun. You get to the story. You see it. I actually really like that aspect of the dialogue. It's like you can completely skip the story. Uh, for Blaze Blue, and just listen to the interactions between the characters when you're fighting, and you uh-huh. can totally get their relationships and how they feel about each other. I, I kind of wish Smash Bros did that actually. Like, what if um, Link reacted badly to Ganondorf when they like, when they enter the yeah. when they first start the battle? That'd be that'd be so cool if like he just sort of gives like almost like little like eye eye shutter towards him or something, mm-hmm. or just some kind of reaction. It's still something that doesn't happen that often. Like Mortal Mortal Kombat will do it on occasion, but something like Street Fighter, it would just get the stock quotes, and it's like you don't really get the intera- what these people mean to each other, uh, what, yeah. the, what this battle means, and that it's amazing how much farther that kind of dialogue will carry you. So I am kind of interested in cross tag battle. Uh, I love Jin, the Ice Guy. He was my he was always my favorite to play as. Um, so I, I do want to check that out, and I, I'm interested in it. So we'll see. How it all goes. Uh, otherwise, I've played a little bit more God of War. I'm still slowly plugging away at that game, but the problem is, is uh, I've been dealing with my move. There's constantly stuff to sign and uh, figure out, and like approvals and legalese, and oh goodness, so much. But I did the inspection uh, the other this past week, and uh, I had the inspection done, and I was there. And there's a few things to fix up. I'm going to ask the previous owner to hopefully take care of some of those. But for the most part, even the guy that inspected is like, yeah, this is a good house. So I'm excited to get moved in there, but it's 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 going to be a little while yet. And not until uh, the settlement is June 20th. So that's when I get the keys and I can start moving my stuff over. Uh-huh. But that's... I mean, you, you, you say it's going to be a while, but this this still feels like the world's quickest move. It <laughs> does, doesn't it? Happened. <laughs> <laughs> I, I cannot believe how quickly it happened because uh, I was like, okay, yeah, I wanted to, I spent all last year saving up so I could do this move. It's like, okay, I think I have enough money to actually pull this off and still be in good shape. Um, and it just, I sort of dragged my feet on getting myself in the market, but my mom was like, okay, let's 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 help you out and like let's get you a um, a uh, the pre-approved loan. Talk to an agent. And at least let you start looking at houses and whatnot. And then I found out it's a seller's market. I'm looking at what else, what's on the market. I'm not really, nothing's really connecting. And I look at this first house and I'm like, you know, let's check this one out. This one looks pretty interesting. And I really liked it. And, it, and when I was looking at all the others, it was either a great location for Game Explain because that's one of the things I really wanted is something quiet uh, because I got things beating and banging uh, uh, stuff going on, but I also didn't want to be too far away from, you know, stuff to do. I didn't want to be out in the boonies. Um, <laughs> but or so I get a good location, but the house would be kind of crap. Or I get a good house and it'd be like right next to the highway. I'm like, eh, no thanks. Um, and this one actually had a good mix, a nice balance where it's a good location and the house was in good shape. And I was like, but it, but it also ended up being the very first one I looked at and other. Uh, suggestions came in as I was looking at it. I was like, no, no. So it just sort of happened that way. Like, I, it feels weird that I had had it happen so quickly and didn't shop around, as it were. Right. But I do think I found a good deal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looks great. Like the pictures you put up look really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited. So for it. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. As you say, it's, it's been really rapid and it just looks great. 
Um, I'm I'm hoping to move myself uh, in September, hopefully. Oh, my current awesome. place is very small. No, <laughs> and, I'm, um, I'm, I'm the same boat. <laughs> yeah. So and, it's, and I live here with my fiance. Mm-hmm. So um, it's always tricky to do recordings when she's in the house. So because <laughs> we because we're so close to each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, we don't really have the space to um, to move around that much. So I'm hoping to have just like a dedicated room, just like an office area, because mm-hmm. I don't really have that at the moment. Um, so that's that's my that's my main criteria. That was um, my- she just wants a house with a bath because we only have a shower at the moment. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was that was sort of my criteria as well. As I want central air and I want um, an office. I wanted to wanted to be two bedrooms so it can have an office, and uh, mm-hmm. I got both of those because. Um, I don't know, like with me in my small place, there's no central air. So you have to have one of those window unit window units and well, you can't have that on when you're recording or streaming or something like that. So what it would end, you know, that I'd be finished with my recording or whatever and I'd get done. I'd just be sweltering and just soaked in sweat and be like, Oh God, uh-huh. just, I'm like, I just jump in the shower cause it's like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, I bet. looking forward to that kind of upgrade uh, otherwise I've started playing a little bit of uh, Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition for review uh-huh. um, so I'm looking forward to that I haven't gotten too far yet it's just been so busy with other things uh, which makes me feel a little guilty but it's mostly you know you played Hyrule Warriors before you played Legends before it's a combination of the two with a few extra things so yeah. it's not, it's not going to be that hard to review it's just a matter of getting far enough that I feel comfortable to review it uh, yeah I, will... I, I imported that game from Japan mm-hmm. and um, I didn't play it for as long as I thought I would and I think that's mostly because I've played it through a lot on on Wii U and 3DS already mm-hmm. and I don't really feel like I need to play the entire thing again a third time <laughs> yeah I, right. I it helps that I never really didn't really play far enough in legends on the 3DS because I hated it. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I, I, I hate that version because I, I had to play on the classic 3DS. So I, I had the terrible, mm. you know, two frames of animation enemies and barely enemy, any, any enemies there. Like it was cool to like to see the, the Wind Waker stuff and the Linkle stuff, but I didn't even get far enough to see that aspect. So Definitive Edition, there is a lot of new stuff for me uh, and that makes it a little bit more attractive to play through and experience uh-huh. uh, the, I think the um, the character changing things quite a big yes. game changer that, I loved I loved that on the 3DS version oh, gosh. if you played it on the original 3DS then yeah as you say that was a bad bad version of it mm-hmm. <laughs> Th- that switching helps getting all the hearts in a stage so much oh absolutely because that, that was one of the worst aspects of the Wii U version you had to play the same level four times essentially yeah to get all the um, uh, uh the um, gold scorchulas and the hearts and everything else is ridiculous. Yeah, I'm sure um, Musi fans who've played other games will know, but like this is the kind of game you can finish in maybe 15 hours, but you can play it for like 200. Like Easily. some people go crazy with these games. There's so <laughs> many adventure mode maps. Absolutely, yeah. So how do you, where do you land on um, Hyrule Warriors versus Fire Emblem Warriors? Like which which do you um, tend to lean towards? With the when it, compared to the Wii U version, I think fundamentally Fire Emblem Warriors is better as just pure gameplay, quality of life stuff. 
Um, I think oh. there, I think there's a lot of improvements over the original Hyrule Warriors. But Hyrule Warriors is more exciting to me. I think the music's better. I think the character selection is better. I think the uh, it's just a lot more exciting. Uh, history mode is better than adventure mode, at least in the Wii U version. Uh, to me, mm-hmm. uh, with Fire Emblem, but th- I think that's the problem with Fire Emblem is so many of the characters, other than their specials and other minor things, play very similarly to, to each other. Like if you guys see a guy with a sword on the ground, he's gonna play like uh, like this other character, or if they're on a, riding on a Pegasus and have a spear, you know how they're gonna play, and it's yeah that aspect is a little bit a little busted. So it's like they're it's sort of pick your poison, but I do think. The fact that everybody plays so uniquely in Hyrule Warriors does make it sort of the stronger version, especially now with the definitive version. I think you've just summarized my views perfectly. <laughs> like, I, 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 lo- I like both games a lot. Fire Emblem Warriors might be the better game to play, but yeah, Hyrule Warriors is just so much more exciting. Mm-hmm. Though, um, one thing I do hope that they fix in another Warriors game is when you level up, it takes so long, and like uh, sometimes they always spout these lines, um, like... When you're sort of um, going through the upgrade um, skill tree, mm-hmm. and every single time, in fi- and especially in Fire Emblem Warriors, they always have little quirks they say when you do it, like, I'll try my best, <laughs> I won't give up, and they, they say it like ten times. Exactly. Visual. I think um, there's an option to turn that off. I think there is. Oh, is there? Okay. Well, if there is, then that would have saved me a lot of time. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you can turn it off so it doesn't have those little, like, showing you the... Stat changes in the middle of battle, and you can turn it off so they don't talk during those bits as well. So I think there are options for that. But if you leave them on, they can get grating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll play more of that. I'm interested. It's, it's, it's amazing how stacked May is for game releases right now. Oh, right. Between, yeah, absolutely. Because we, got, we have, um, of course, Donkey Kong. We have Hyrule Warriors. We have... Uh, all this um, we got the Mega Man Legacy Collection we got the Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Collection Runner 3 we got um, I'm trying to think of everything else uh, we did have Dark Souls Ikaruga. and then Dark Souls decided to run away yeah yeah, Ikaruga. <laughs> yeah. Uh, honestly that might almost be for the better because Switch owners now have a lot of like more options for it like it's not as crowded around it although Dark Souls would probably be the one to do better than those other games so it's almost better for yeah, the other games. It's, uh, it's still great to have all of these, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I bought um, Mega Man Legacy Collection on um, on PlayStation Four, mm-hmm. but I'm still going to buy it again on Switch. Oh, yeah. it's just great to have these games on um, on a portable platform. Yeah, I never got Especially, Legacy Collection um, Two on the on the PS4, so I'm actually because I, I was I think at that by that point I realized it was coming to the Switch. I was like, oh, okay, I'll just get both of these yeah. on the Switch version. It's going to be really cool to have uh, Mega Man 9 and 10 on a portable, actually, because yeah. I think they may be the only two... Actually, no, 8, eight might not have been on a portable either, um, but 8, 9, and 10 are, are the only ones to have not really been um, on Nintendo platform. Well, no, no, 9, t- nine and 10 were, but um, this is the first time 8 would be on a Nintendo platform, right? Because I, I think that was only on PlayStation before this. Uh, the GameCube Anniversary Collection. Ah, there we go then. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm fronts. pretty sure it was, uh, but yeah. Anniversary collection sucks though, especially with eight because timing those jump, jump, slide, slides. There's always some sort of delay. Uh, with didn't it. they? It um, weird. Didn't they reverse the buttons too? Yeah, that they wasn't did. B Where, jump. Yeah, it was B to jump, A to shoot, which is yeah, that's, dumb that's not, that on the that's GameCube not controllers. Right. Yeah, it's why I got the PS2 version. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, I got the PSD versions of um, of the Mega Man Anniversary Collection and the X Anniversary Collection. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see how that holds up against the new Legacy Collections. I imagine um, these are going to be far better. Yeah, mostly because they're you know they're HD ready and everything like that. Exactly. Um, It'll be interesting because yeah. I've not played X Beyond the X Games Beyond Four. So oh, okay. five through eight Actually, is completely you know what? new um, to me. I think I don't think I have either. I've played um I've played one two X one two three, and yeah, and four. I've not played five six seven or. I mean, I don't hear eight. the best things. I do hear that five and eight are good. Six and seven though, nothing but bad things. But. Yeah. I mean, I have them. I might as well check them out. <laughs> well, actually, I think I, I did play X8, actually. That wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but X7, I, I think that's the full 3D one, right? Yeah, that's um, the full 3D one with some 2D sections, and it's just ab- abysmal. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> what, a, what a bad deal, you know, to have... Um, who's really, who's going to buy Legacy Collection 2 if, they had, if they, had the, they had the option? Yeah, completionists at that point, which, yeah. you know... I'll buy it, so I'm I'm gonna do it just because of curiosity and hey, I have the entire series on my Switch now, so yeah, yeah, that's it, I suppose. I think then, I think uh, that's what's gonna make Mega Man Eleven soon. Yeah, that's crazy. They're getting that mm-hmm. by the end of the year. We haven't heard anything from it though, and hopefully, I'm sure by E3 we'll hear more. Almost, possible. I'm confident that it's I'm I'm confident it's still this year. I can't yeah. really see them delaying. No, it. I don't see a delay happening either. So we'll see. But uh, well, diving into the news topics and May releases, we actually just learned about a brand new one uh, yesterday. Uh, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon uh, was officially revealed and shown to have a May release date uh, from Integrates. Uh, now, I backed this game. I completely Even forgot too. there was a <laughs> uh, 8-bit option. Like, a, reached a, like, I watched the trailer and Iga was talking about how uh, the Kickstarter reached a certain point where there was going to be an 8-bit, 8-bit throwback game. I completely forgot about that one. Now, I should get this for free from the Kickstarter because I paid $60 to have a physical version of Bloodstained. Um, so I, th- I think we might have paid the same tier because I was looking at mine earlier and I did, um, I did $60 as well. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just fixed my, um, my claim to include the Switch physical version rather than PS4 and this new digital version, the, um, the 8-bit version. But yeah, I, I had no clue this existed. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't I know this was going to be a thing. I completely forgot about it. <laughs> completely forgot about it. And it looks cool, honestly. And I watched the trailer and like I was like, oh boy, is this only going to be like a few, uh, like introducing it and then just a few like scenes from the game, not really telling me much. But then they went into a full-on trailer. It's like, what is it, four playable characters that you could switch between on the fly? And it looks like, right. Cas- like an enhanced Castlevania 3 type game. I'm like... Yeah, I'm down for that. That looks fun. Yeah, I kind of feel like my, my excitement for Bloodstained has kind of dwindled in, in the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm really excited for this, though. Like, I, I saw this and I was just sold like as soon as I, I started watching the trailer. It's just It looks really, really good. As you say, it's just like an expanded Castlevania 3, which is um, a, a lot of Metroidvanias try and go after the sort of Symphony of the Night style these days. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's nice to go back to the retro... Um, original Castlevania series. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense as any bit. That way you don't have to worry about this big interconnected thing. You just have, here's your levels, go through tons of different characters that get through and actually introduce you to the characters that you're going to be playing as in the full version of Bloodstained. And I, I, it, it kind of what happens to me with Kickstarters is I back it and then I just try to forget about it because I know it's going to take forever for it to come out. So I haven't really looked too closely at what 
Curse of the uh, not Curse of the Moon, but Ritual of the Night has been doing. Uh, I know a lot of people aren't too happy with the 3D direction of the of the game, but I'm. It's one of those things where I'm just holding off opinions until it actually comes out. Because when I played the demo, it played fine uh, at E3, I think two years ago. So uh-huh. we'll see how it all ends up. But I don't. I do not think we're heading towards a mighty number no. nine situation. For example, oh no, 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 absolutely not. <laughs> well, if, if, with, with this, we actually have a capable. Well, I don't want to slander him too much, but we have a uh, a very respected developer on board. Yeah. I can't see it going wrong. Emphasis on developer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, oh, poor Inafune. His stock is... Lo- <laughs> I was trying not to trash talk him too much yeah, there. But. His stock has dropped so much over the years. Uh, I know. Oh. Yeah. Is um is Red Ash still a thing? You know, is Mega Man Legends I, I successor? I saw the animated feature they had like a little preview thing an animatic that seemed got pretty decent uh reaction but as far as the game i i have no idea i mean all we know is it got funded by a chinese company so maybe the 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 campaign for that was just so funny like um the the tears were basically um he showed us a world map Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you give me this much money, this part of the world will exist. And if you give me this much money, then this part can exist. Yeah. But it's like, it's like if we didn't hit these funds, then it would be this weird jarring world where half of it doesn't exist. <laughs> exactly. it, it was such a weird pitch. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think you fully understood Kickstarter. <laughs> really <didn't>. No. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, well, speaking of release dates... Uh, the Switch version, actually all versions, the Switch version, Xbox One, and PC, I believe, version of the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy has been pushed forward a week and is releasing earlier, which, cool. Yeah, yeah very cool. I mean, I didn't play the um, the PS4 remaster. I played all the original PS1 games, mm-hmm. so I'm pretty excited to finally jump in with the Switch version. Oh, okay. See, I, see, I had already picked it up on PS4 because, you know, grew up with those games and excited for it. I was like, I, I have no reason to pick up this the Switch version of it, mainly because like, all I'll get is the portability of it, which is cool, but not necessary for me. I'm, I'll stick with the PS4 version. And, yeah, that uh, makes sense. It's, they're good games. They're really well done um, remake, remakes. And I mm-hmm. think I think you'll get a lot of enjoyment out of it. I cannot wait for Spyro, though, because Spyro was the one that, like, I, I've said this before, <laughs> but you haven't, I don't think you heard it. Um, Spyro was my first 3D game. Oh, wow. Like, I played a little, like, I guess full, full one that I played to completion. Because uh-huh. I played Mario 64 and Ocarina of Time at, like, demo kiosks at stores. But, you know, it's, it's a little different from playing it at home and being able to enjoy it. And so when I got a PlayStation, it came with a demo disc for Spyro. I'm like, I want this because <laughs> I really enjoyed that demo <laughs> and uh, got it. And yeah, that was my first 3D game. So that's going to be really special for you in that final. Oh, releases. gosh, it looks so gorgeous. It, it looks it looks perfect. Honestly, like mm-hmm. I look at Crash. Um, I, mean, I haven't played it myself, but I look at screenshots and sometimes I think the art style isn't always consistent. Like some um, some animals look a tad too realistic, mm-hmm. whereas um, Crash is sort of this cartoony figure. Um, but I look at Spyro, and I think that's just that's a perfect envisionment of what the game was. Mm-hmm. Like this looks like the PS One game, but in modern standards, and it, it's just so good. Yeah, I mean, um, you look at the PS One game; it looks like a beta with. version. <laughs> Right, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I don't want to disrespect anyone, but I have kind of a gripe with um, a lot of um, of the Unreal Engine 4 
projects that some fans do where they sort of take assets and put them into um, brightly lit um, sort of tech environments mm-hmm. and then pass them off for sort of remakes and they don't always look like they maintain the art style or even always look good. Yeah, um, I agree. And some some official games do that too. Like, um, I can't think off the top of my head, but I'm, uh, some, some games just completely lose their art style when being remade. And um, Spyro just doesn't at all. That, that game looks amazing. Mm. Oh, I'm Nothing so excited for that. May is, May is packed and September is packed. September is way more packed than May, actually, because it has a bunch of, like, there's a lot of indie games, collections, stuff like that in May. September is where all uh-huh. the huge stuff is. It's like, oh my god, where am I going to find the time to play this? Yeah. Oh, to go back to Crash Moment, oh, actually, yeah. um, I was reading up earlier that um, the Switch version is going to be 5.4 gigabytes, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas on PS4, it was almost like 20 gigabytes. Wow, they really so, found a way to compress that. I, mean, I, I, I almost suppose they have to. Oh, you know, yeah. this, is a, um, this is a budget Switch release. And um, once you go above 16 gigabytes for a cartridge, you're not looking at a budget price anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they, they, they have to either compress it or do the download thing, which people just hate. So <laughs> this is kind of the only choice. Yeah, I mean, I, I played, I saw it played at uh, PAX East, and it, I mean, of course there's going to be the visual downgrade slightly, but it doesn't look like that much of a downgrade. It still looks good. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I yeah. even though it's like not as big, I think people are still going to get what they like out of Crash out of this. Yeah, yeah, and um, Crash always sort of pulled off some very neat uh, technical advancements. Where because the camera is kind of framed um, in a certain perspective, where it's looking down, um, a lot of the level isn't really displayed at all times. So it sort of goes along um, like. I think actually Boundary Break did a nice episode on this. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, yeah. <laughs> so as you're, as you're walking through the level, it's sort of um, just sort of culling in as you move forward. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the remake um, does it look quite like that, but on PS1, it would only render in what you can see on the screen. So it's quite clever. Yeah, that's how, a um, very, how the camera's framed there. Very good idea, a uh, good way of doing that. I think that's very, very clever. Yeah, um, for sure. Another clever thing... Capcom is finally releasing Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate on the Switch, uh, coming this August. And uh, people have been begging for this ever since it got it came out in Japan. What last year? Like it wasn't long after Switch launched that the the this came out on the Switch in Japan. So the right. fact that we're finally getting it, I'm I'm, gu- I'm guessing the campaign plus just just the sheer success of World convinced them. I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I lost hope. I, I didn't think this was going to happen. <laughs> After World, I thought there's no chance that they're going to um, go back and remaster a 3DS game. But here we are. Yeah. I, I, I'm happy they are. But <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, I know a lot of people were like, I, wanted, I want Monster Hunter on the go on a Switch. And that's what this is fulfilling. Uh, I don't... It would be interesting to see, though, because I know, didn't Monster Hunter, I don't play the series at all, but didn't Monster Hunter World Mm -hmm. really go a long way to making it approachable for a lot of people, the series? Right, yeah, it it did, it had a lot of quality of life improvements, and the, the, um, it was open worlds, the core gameplay changed quite a bit, so it might be a bit jarring for world people to go back to what the series used to be. Um, but that being said, uh, Generations is obviously the one released before World, so it's not that old. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it do, it does have some um, some things that may become across cross as a bit jarring, I guess, going back from World. Uh, yeah, that'd be interesting to see. 
Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's really cool they finally localised this, because people were very curious as to why they didn't originally, seeming as um, Generations was already on 3DS, fully localised. Um, so people didn't think it'd be that much of an effort to just sort of bring that localization into the expanded version. Um, but then again, Monster Hunter always releases weirdly uh, worldwide. Um, World, World came out everywhere, but usually you have one game release and then in Japan, and then a year later it'll usually come out in the West, which is more or less what they've done here again. I think people just sort of lost their patience though because it was a, a re-release. Mm, yeah, that might be it. And, and because it's a Switch game. And we just we, we want to have as many Switch games as possible. <laughs> and at the time, there weren't really any third-party Switch games That's outside true. of maybe a few eShop games. Hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting how that all went down. Like it, I think it took Capcom was like, ah, it's probably not worth the effort to do this. We don't know if the Switch will do that well. Eh, we'll wait and see. And then they realized, oh crap, it's doing super well. Crap, crap, crap. We need to yeah. do this. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many developers were like that. Like. I mean, who can blame them? Who can blame them for not expecting the Switch to do well after Wii U? But now, um, I, I bet there's just going to be like a, a flow of third-party games coming um, in the few in the next few months. I mean, we're sort of seeing it already. Oh yeah, totally seeing it. It's it's, it's really been just snowballing with how much is getting released, and I mean, it's probably going to be even more so after E3. Yeah, I bet. Mm-hmm. So. That'll be interesting, but I'm I'm happy for fans. Like I've not, never been, I played a little bit of Monster Hunter. I just never been able to get into it. Maybe World would get me into it finally, but I'm also like I got so much else to play that I'll <laughs> I'll stay away for now. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, the next bit of news is on the Famicom Mini. As strangely enough, I did not see this one coming. It, there's a special gold version release of the Famicom Mini to help celebrate the 50th anniversary of Weekly Shonen Jump in Japan, and it actually has, is just filled with games related to um, NES games that were related to the Weekly J- J- Shonen Jump series of the time, and it is weird. <laughs> There's only 20 that, games yes. rather than 30. Uh, I can't imagine... The thing is, I've never played any of these other than Dragon Quest, which I think is funny because, you know, it's Dragon Quest is in there because Toriyama uh, did the art style for it. Um, right. But it's also like, I don't, like, how many of these are actually good? <laughs> That's what I'm sort of wondering, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I assume most of them haven't been localized, right? Right. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of these. I'm looking at the uh, whole uh, list. I'm like, I have no, I, I don't know what some of these are. Like, I know the properties. Like, I see some Saint Seiya games. There's like three different Dragon Ball games. Ultimate Muscle is in there. Um, Fist of the North Star, Captain Tsubasa. Like, there is very well known series as part of this collection. I just don't know if the games themselves are any good. And Japanese players would know this more than us, of course, since I right. actually had a chance to play them. But if, like, one of them is that Dragon Ball game that was localized in uh, the States as Dragon Power, that's not a good game. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really interesting concept, though, like, that that Nintendo are up for re-releasing the mini consoles with different games. That kind of of opens up the um, the floodgates for any other kind of potential um, uh, remixes of games for these systems. Like, I don't know what, what kind of Western events they could do for these. But um, it'd be great to finally have other NES and Super Nintendo games on these systems. Yeah. Like, the one that came to my mind when I did the update was 
a Disney console. Like that's the only one I could think of with just a ton of different properties and stuff to do. But man, like having all the like basically have the Disney Afternoon Collection on there plus a bunch of movie games. But I'm not even sure if that would get us up to 20 games. That's 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 the thing. I don't know. And that, that just reminded me that Switch still doesn't have the Disney Afternoon Collection. Which is dumb! <laughs> yeah, it's really dumb. <laughs> so dumb, because that's oh, those games are great, and they deserve to be on the Switch, especially since they were on the NES, but... Uh. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know what else they could do. Like, maybe they could have, like, uh, developer-exclusive mini-consoles. Like, here's the Capcom NES Classic, and the Konami NES Classic, and the Square NES Classic, stuff like that. Like... That'd be kind of fascinating, but I'm also sure, not sure if they do it or not. I, I don't know if it makes sense for a Western release. No. I, I guess you'd also have to um, sort of redesign the console a bit, like they're doing it um, golden um, for this one. Mm-hmm. And what kind of colors would you do for uh, other Western events? I mean, I, I would love a, a Square Enix Super Nintendo. Oh, that, man. That's, that's so much potential. I mean, finally have Chrono Trigger on there? That'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, so many good games have a Square Enix Super-themed uh, Super Nintendo. Oh, man, I can't even talk. I want it. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good concept. Oh, but... So yeah, that's that's really interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely something I would never have bet on. No. Like, why, I mean, why, why would they do this? But here we are. I mean, Weekly Shonen Jump is just that big in Japan, so it, it kind of makes sense. Also, good luck getting this thing. Like, I cannot... Oh, I, oh, I bet it's going to be super limited. Oh, God, yeah. It's going to be even hard. Like, you thought the original NES Classic was hard to get. Good luck getting this. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I wonder how hard it's going to be to import it, too. Like, are these being sold online, or is it just sort of in stores? Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, yeah. It's, it'll be interesting, uh, to say the least. But, yeah, it, it, to me, it's more almost more of a collector's item than anything else. Like, it's cool that you can play these games, but it's definitely more of a collector's uh, piece for somebody, you know, yeah. to somebody to display and whatnot and brag about. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, well, the last bit of news we have this week uh, concerns Nintendo releasing a new accessory for the Nintendo Switch, a uh, an adjustable charging stand uh, for tabletop mode, which uh, is a very good thing. Like it's great to, that they're actually having an official one. It's great that it has an adjustable stand because screw the one that's actually on. It's not even adjustable on, <laughs> on the Switch itself. Um, but it has like it's. I saw Andre also talking about the whole fact. It's like, oh, it's cool that they have this, but it's like, why wasn't this there to begin with? Well, I think we have our answer. It's $20 more. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> it, it reminds me a lot of, um, do you remember the, the Wii U charging cradle that was included with the system? Yeah. It reminds me a bit of that, where it's sort of, um, it's just like a, a bit of plastic that you sort of, um, that you plug something into and it gives a bit more of a, a boost to the system. But, um, yeah, it makes so much sense, though, because um, prior to this, you couldn't charge your system while in tabletop mode, which um, was just kind of cumbersome, mm-hmm. whereas now we can finally do it using this. Yeah. And uh, people have sort of, um, like, I've, I've been quite excited for this, and people have pointed me towards a, uh, a third-party device, which is quite similar to this, but it's just too bulky for me. I, I much prefer this, this smaller little, just a little box that this is, you know, it just, it's, it's far more portable. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see myself carrying around a big plastic stand. This just seems like the way to go for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes complete sense. Just, you know, pack it in your bag, pull it out with you when you're on a train, plane, whatever, and pop it on the table and you're good to go. Yeah. So, 
I think it makes sense. Uh, the twenty a $20 price tag for this does not seem like it breaks the bank at all. Like it's not, it doesn't seem over expensive and like, what the heck are you doing Nintendo? Like 30, that's when I'd be going, mm, I don't know about that. But 20, that seems like an easy thing to just pop down and like, if you want it. Like, I don't know if I'll get it myself because I don't play in tabletop mode that much, but I can see how it'd be very useful for those who do. Yeah, absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. It'd be it'd be great when um, <clears throat> when or if Netflix comes to the system. Oh. That'd be a really nice little. Uh, so you can charge your system while it's stood up like that. That'd be really helpful. Oh man, that'd be perfect. Like it is kind of shocking that Netflix and Crunchyroll mm-hmm. and all this other stuff is not on the Switch yet. It's insane because <laughs> it's so perfect. I mean, a lot of things Pure are perfect insanity. for the Switch, but still. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, well. I think that takes care of the topics for this week, though. And so we'll go ahead and move, in, move on to our Patreon topics. And as always, for just $1 a month, you guys can support us on Patreon. Get these uh, podcasts typically three days early every Friday. Though know, sometimes we get a little late on this, but uh, that's life. Um, <laughs> as well as uh, offer up topics like the ones we have here and uh, have access to exclusive channels uh, on our uh, game, official Game Explained Discord. Uh, i got to remember to keep adding that in now that we got that. Uh, so that's been steadily filling up as we're slowly rolling it out for the public and uh, trying not to get too too inundated because we are up to 2,000 people just with that sw- slow rollout. So I imagine – I can't even imagine what it would be like if it was open to everybody. So slowly getting there. It's going to be pure insanity when it's open to everyone. Oh, yes. So that's uh, – it, it might take a while, but we'll, we'll, we'll get everybody in there slowly but surely. But, uh, John, why don't we go ahead and – actually, before, before – I apologize, John. Before we get into that, there is one other thing I wanted to mention really quick uh, in relation to uh, one of our um, fans as we talked about him during the 100th episode. And I'm trying – I had it and I lost it. Now I'm – Feeling bad because now I gotta find it again. <laughs> this is, you know, professionalism at its finest. I hope you know. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, come on. Where are you? This is annoying. Um, there it is. Uh, a link between times. He had a very heartfelt um, message for us uh, during the 100th episode, talking about how we inspired him to uh, go for what he was, you know, after and everything like that. Uh, and how he's doing his own, working for his own uh, website now, helping out people who are trying to go along the same path of uh, path of uh, path as us, uh, and you know just really going for it. So uh, Tom actually offered to help link to his um, plug his website. So he actually responded with, uh, this week with that stuff. So he uh, actually writes as Joseph uh, Stanachar on KingGamer.com. And he actually gave us a link to one of his more recent reviews on Owlboy. So I'll make sure to link that into the description so you guys can check that out, support one of our fellow uh, Game Explained fans who uh, is is going for it. So, yeah, cool stuff. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. But uh, now you can go ahead and give your topic, John. <laughs> okay, so I've chosen um, Espio, who says, There are lots of spin-off franchises now for popular main series franchises. Just look at the Mario Sports, Party, Kart Games, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, Ranger, Snap, Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, Conga, and the list goes on. What would be your ideal spin-off franchise? For instance, maybe Ash would like a Mega Man rhythm game, or Derek would like a Xenoblade sports game. Looking forward to your thoughts and love the podcast. 
<laughs> right. So <laughs> I love his example of a Xenoblade. Yeah, exactly. Sports I'm game. trying to imagine that. Like I'm just imagining like uh, Shulk scoring a goal in like in in soccer or football and uh, saying, you know, I'm really feeling it as he runs down. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure if we can top your suggestion. Actually, there, actually, I do have one uh-huh. better for that. A Xenoblade themed um, uh, poker uh, poker game. Where uh, Ryan can go, uh, what a bunch of jokers! Oh my god, <laughs> that's worth it just for that alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> what are your, some of your, some of your spin-off ideas? Well, one of my ideas was um, to go back to sort of the Musu thing we were talking about earlier with the Warriors games. Mm-hmm. I would love to have a, a Pikmin themed Warriors, where oh, wow. um, where you don't play as the Pikmin, but you instead play as like the enemies. And so you go around as all, the, all your favorite Pikmin enemies and just sort of kill waves and waves of innocent Pikmin. Oh, that's <laughs> and dark. Then, um, and, then, and then maybe like um, sort of go against like Olimar and Alf and people like that too. So I think that'd be interesting, an interesting spin on, on that sort of genre where like, you're not playing as the heroes, but you're playing as the, the villains. And there are tons of Pikmin enemies to choose from too. Oh gosh, yeah. So... So yeah, I think that'd, that'd be quite a cool little spin-off idea. <laughs> that'd be so wild, and it's so freaking dark. Like I'm just imagining like the guy. I didn't realize the... how dark it sounded until I started speaking. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just imagining the guy that has the uh, like blowtorch from his nose, and like just imagining burning waves and waves of Pikmin, and just seeing all the oh, going up. It's, like oh, no. it's almost like the uh, when you're beating up the Goron in. Uh, Warriors. Oh God, yeah. Oh my gosh, I do, I do kind of love it though, just because it is so crazy. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's always been that sort of the fun idea of like a Legend of Zelda real time strategy uh, in dealing oh, with different yeah. factions. Like that'd be, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Real, I you don't hear about real time strategy outside of StarCraft too much anymore. At least not that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. I don't follow it too closely. But I think that would be pretty interesting. Um, trying to think, I mean, I'm trying to think of a legit Xenoblade spinoff, and I honestly can't think of one. Although you actually had, I, I believe, an idea on Twitter um, I saw where you saw that somebody got the Inklings outside of their box and into the backgrounds. Oh yeah! And so like yeah, an actual really adventure, cool. a Splatoon adventure game. I think that'd be really cool. Splatoon has uh, so much potential for spin-offs. You know, that franchise is massive at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the obvious one is probably a rhythm game because uh, music's such a big part of that series. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah some, something like, a bit more expansive would be really cool to go along. I can't remember what Twitter user um, I t- we tweeted for that now. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a really, really uh, awesome little... Um, I think they've hacked their console, so they've been able to take the Inklings outside of the boundaries of a level. So there's this one screenshot where the Inkling's sort of walking down a street full of cars, and it looks really cool. Like, yeah. I, I want to be able to do this. Um, so maybe some kind of like larger scale Splatoon or some adventure game. Mm-hmm. Like come to think of it, like maybe even like a battle royale for Splatoon Ooh. might work. Oh my gosh, that'd be insane! Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm actually I've actually never played a battle royale game. I've not played Fortnite or or um or PUBG. Mm-hmm. So. 
if that was my first, I think I'd be very happy. <laughs> yeah, I, I played a little bit of Fortnite, and it, it it is fun what you can do. I just I'm not good at it <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. I I'll, I'll survive for a while. I can survive for a long time, but I get into combat and I'm pretty much dead. Like I think I've gotten one kill this entire time. But I think Splatoon <laughs> would just naturally have an interesting take on that because well, you'll be able to see everybody's ink. You'll be able to track people that yeah, much more right, exactly. Uh, oh, that, that'd, be, that'd be a really good gimmick, actually. Like, if you're from a distance and just, you just sort of stuck a splodge of green ink somewhere mm-hmm. over in um, in the horizon, like, that's that's how you know where to go. Yeah, that'd be really cool. I, I think there's some really interesting things they could do with that. Uh, as far as an adventure game, I was just imagining, like, the Salmonids and the Octo uh, Octarians teaming up and actually invading the surface world. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, and oh, the lore capabilities for that, too. I mean, Splatoon has a pretty deep lore as it mm. is. <laughs> but um, to expand upon that to, like, the human world, that would just be insane. Ah, oh, so good. I mean, a Splatoon, a Splatoon spin-off is bound to happen yeah. any, any year now. Like, it could even be this year. It could be next year. It's going to happen at some point. Yeah, and with, um, with them being such young developers, too, like, the new ideas and whatnot, I feel like they're much more open to the crazier aspects so instead of the sort of standard stuff that you might see from most spin-offs. Yeah, I feel like a rhythm game's probably going to be the one, mm-hmm. but I hope it's something a bit more ambitious. Yeah, I mean, a rhythm game would do. I mean, they got concerts in Japan. A rhythm game is almost a, I mean, yeah. a, a, a guarantee at this point. <laughs> it's almost crazy they, they haven't done one yet. It just it makes so much sense with, with all the concerts. Oh, yeah. And um, even having that kind of... There's almost a rhythm game within Splatoon 2 as well. Um, in the hub where you can listen to music right. and sort of press notes along with them. I mean, the thing so, is, they yeah, can even yeah. go beyond that because is the um, they, they're pretty much Vocaloids in a way. So they give the Vocaloid to- tools as part of that game and let people make their own Splatoon music. Oh yeah, that would be that'd be really massive. Cool. Oh man, I kind of want that in Labo now, like just sort of <laughs> like a, a, um, a Splatoon two setting. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be awesome. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm trying to think of other possible spinoffs that we don't see that much, but. Oh, I still want my uh, Captain Falcon beat him up. Oh, oh, of course. I, yeah. I, it needs <laughs> to happen. There needs to be a, a Captain Falcon beat him up. I did a uh, quite a funny Twitter poll a few months ago where I said, um, "What do you think is more popular, the F Zero franchise or the Falcon Punch?" And <laughs> the um, the results were pretty much. I think it was two percent. A poor two percent said that um, F Zero was more popular than Falcon Punch. Oh. So 98% thought the Falcon Punch was way more popular than the entirety of the F-Zero franchise. Yep. So they, they, they gotta, they gotta um, just milk the Falcon Punch as much as they can. Like, have a trailer where it's, like, pure black, and you just hear some footsteps. <laughs> and um, all of a sudden, there's just, like, a little flame that comes up, and you just hear, Falcon Punch! And, then, and it goes, and it goes and then through it the blackness, of, and it just forms, the, like, the Falcon symbol. Exactly. Yeah, and it's just like, <laughs> and that's that's the entire trailer. You don't need any. More exactly. That's, that's all that's you need is a teaser. It's just like you're gonna play Captain Falcon. You're gonna go after bounties, and you're gonna beat up loads of people along the way, and maybe mm-hmm. encounter some of these other F Zero guys as you're going through. Like it needs to happen. Yeah. It'd be so much fun to just build up like a special meter and then do the Falcon Punch to finish off people. I mean, they put yeah. it into the anime for God's sakes. <laughs> yeah, of course. It'd be really cool. I know people say this a lot, but it'd be nice to have Platinum Games do it. Because yeah. they, they have such a good um, relationship with Nintendo, and I kind of feel like the Bayonetta-style combat would work really well with Captain Falcon. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I I want that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want it too. It sounds like a, a, a lot of fun, and yeah, <sighs> it needs to happen. 
So I'm I'm not entirely sure if we can beat um, SBO's suggestion of a Xenoblade sports game, but your um, your Xenoblade poker came very close. <laughs> cool, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't I can't see what this guy's uh, holding. He's such he has such a metal face. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, right. this could be a new show. <laughs> <laughs> Puns aside, I'm going to go ahead and go move over to my topic for the week. comes from James Gregson, who says, How do you guys deal with game overcrowding on shelves? We actually kind of spoke about this before. He says, uh, I have a really small case for my Nintendo games, which can hold a measly, in quotes, 72 or so games. Trust me, that's measly. <laughs> so, so, I have a, so I have to really consider what games don't really deserve shelf space whenever it gets a bit tight. Since most of my catalog consists of top-tier Nintendo games, it's sometimes hard to remove certain games, but if it's something like Zombie U or Mario & Sonic, that's taking, that's taking up space, the problem is solved Im- immediately. Also, do you guys put your games in any particular order? I order my Switch games by release date and then gr- and group them by publisher, and I order my Wii U games by the icon color and by grouping franchises. Uh, Wii and 3DS games go in whatever order, but I'd still be able to tell if someone was, has been meddling with them. So I thought this was very interesting because I I do like collecting and displaying games. Like I, one of the first things I'm going to buy when I do get my new place is more bookshelves because I have all of my games double stacked. I have everything double stacked because I just have that few space. But I do have all of my games on display, and I'm I actually keep an Excel spreadsheet of my games, and I'm up to over <laughs> 700 now. <laughs> so that's oh, why wow. I consider 70 measly. <laughs> Uh, but that dates all the way back to the NES and whatnot. But yeah, I, I'm the same way. I, I I do have to really consider where I'm putting it, where things are going, and uh, if things get a bit tight, I just try to make it work. But I never, never uh, have done the thing that you that you do, John, where you take them out of the case, put the cases into storage somewhere, and put them in a disc case. I mean, I'm not proud of it. (laughs) Shame. (laughs) Shame. (laughs) I mean, let's say once you do get your big place, are you just going to get Uh, enough bookshelves to display everything? Oh, yeah. That's that's, that's the first thing I'm going to do. So I'm going to have my my room where we just punish an office, and I'll pretty much fill it with bookcases and just display everything I can. Mm Um, I like I like the suggestion of doing it in order of release because I've always just done it alphabetically. Um, but I, f- I find his his um, his categorization quite interesting there. Um, like, do, do you, how do you do them? Like, do you do it by alpha, alphabet? Or, I actually, or I, yeah, I do alphabet, which sometimes bothers me because, like, for longest time, I'll um, like I'll do an alphabet except until I get to a certain series. And so, like Professor Layton, I will like I'll put it in the actual release order rather than the um, the actual order if you were going by the uh, alphabetically and I have to do that because otherwise like how do you know which game comes in which order <laughs> you know that right. type of thing or like when it's like Legend of Zelda and then Zelda 2 it's like why, why, why do this because yeah. they're completely different letters now <laughs> yeah it is, it is very weird so I actually I never thought about organizing it that way but that's actually really interesting of course it would take a lot of research at that point because I of course separate all my games like I, I do have release order for like Echoes Game Boy Advance games then DS games then 3DS games then you know so forth and like get to the console stuff and it goes um gamecube Wii, wii u switch <laughs> it's like one of those mm. things orders <laughs> on the shelves itself um but i do i do kind of like that idea it'd just be yeah, hard it'd, it'd just be a lot harder putting it back in place you know 
yeah. I, I like having series together as well, so if um, if they were just really far apart, it would bug me, I think. Mm. <laughs> so my, my current setup is I have one shelf, which has, has some games on, and um, I have all the Zelda games there and all the Metroid games there. Because I just I love um, I just love that collection. I, I I love bringing those games with me everywhere I go. Mm. So um, the only Zelda games I don't have are the CDI games, and I actually really want them. Oh, so <laughs> one, one day <laughs> I'm fine with owning those. <laughs> <laughs> um, but apart from that, a lot of a lot, a lot of what I display is the more expensive stuff. So I have um, Panzer Dragoon Saga, oh which is a God. Sega Assassin. You do. Game. It's yeah, I do. Um, Holy crap! I, I, I actually, I love that game. It's really really good. Um, yeah, so that's that's some prominent display. That's that's my, yeah. like, my crown jewel. I also have Snatcher on Sega CD, so that's up there too. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> and then just I know I've got I've got a couple of gems in there. Um, so yeah, I've got stuff like that which I like to display as much as I can. Um, whereas everything else is just kind of jumbled in the case. <laughs> <laughs> so I also got another a few other Sega CD games which I, I, I actually I like the Sega CD a lot because it's quite an obscure system. And it has a number of good games on there. So I, I display Sonic CD, mm-hmm. which isn't that rare, but um, I, I like that game a lot. I have uh, Earthworm Jim CD, which I display, which it's it's quite pricey, but it's also it's also just Earthworm Jim. You know, it's not mm-hmm. too different to the other other versions. Um, I've got Lunar Silver Star and Lunar Eternal Blue, Ooh. which are both pretty I ha- pricey games. I have as the, well. I have those two on uh, PlayStation, and those are they were pretty pricey when I was getting them. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really want the PlayStation versions actually. Because I think uh, I think Eternal Blue might be quite similar on both platforms, but Silver Star I hear is very different, like almost a different game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm interested in getting that at some yeah, point. I, I haven't played through them. A friend let me borrow them, and I just really liked what I played. I just haven't had time to actually sit down and actually play through them all. But I was I was watching. He also had all the stuff with it, like the documentary stuff, and I watched the documentary where they talked about how they cleaned it up from the Sega CD version. They compared like the Sega CD cutscenes to the new cutscenes they put in for the PlayStation version. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> like, it's <Yeah. laughs> so good. Yeah, so I guess I just kind of, I just kind of display my, um, my favorite things and my most cherished things. So there's not really a system going on. It's just kind of what I prefer, mm-hmm. really. But when I get my own place, it'll pretty much all be out there in, alphabet- in alphabetical order. Though I am debating whether to still keep stuff displayed, like my favorite things, on like a certain display. Yeah, so I'm not I, sure I if I'll separate them a little bit. Thinking of like um, trying to uh, trying to think uh, like those book display things, like you can just sort of set it up and just put the game on that type type display. That's what I was sort mm-hmm. of thinking for uh-huh. certain things. Not sure yet, but uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I get to like it's weird. Like I'm not looking forward to packing, but I'm also looking forward to organizing and. This, uh, setting up my new office, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> so we'll see what we'll see what can be done. But I'm probably going to stick to the organization, like the typical just organization. My my goal though is to be, make sure I can not have to double stack everything again. <laughs> oh God, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it makes it tricky because to get to that point. Plus, certain games it's not it doesn't always work because it bugs me when it, like I got the special edition of Tomb Raider on PS3. And it's bigger than the other case. Same with Final Fantasy X. And it's like, I like that, that I have that version, but it's also like annoying because it doesn't fit in perfectly with the rest of them. So I'm like, mm. <laughs> Yeah. 
One thing that just occurred to me <clears throat> is when I move, I'm going to have to um, open every single case and put the discs back in again. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's, gonna, that's like a day's work right oh, there. Oh, that's going to take a while. Just put something on in the background and just go at it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, good luck. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's interesting how everybody has sort of their own way to group them and organize them and way to make it work. And... I might consider some of those. I think I might go back to the way of like just putting like the games in order, so that way I have like Legend of Zelda next to Zelda Two. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So, yep. Well, we got one more topic, uh, our combined topic for this week, and that comes from uh, Trite Hexagon, who says, "Hey, uh, hi, GX. Uh, finally, have a good topic for you guys. So, admit it." What's that one game in your backlog that you're pretty sure you're never going to play? Keep being awesome. <laughs> I thought this was an interesting one because I do have a large backlog. Um, and I don't know exactly, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I want to go back and play this. Oh, yeah, I want to go back and play this. It's like, oh, when am I going to find time to do that? Uh, and that, you know, there's quite a few. Like, I, I picked up the original Bionic Commando on NES at one point. Never played it. Probably never going to touch it, oh, but I have it. That, that breaks my heart. I know. <laughs> I love Bionic Commando. I mean, I, I played the, the remaster that came out on PlayStation 3 years ago. I thought I did enjoy that, but I, I think it'd be mm-hmm. kind of hard to go back to the original Bionic. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll try. Uh, one that, Another one that I'd like to, but it probably never going to happen, Shin Megami Tensei 4 on the uh, 3DS. Oh, you know what? Me too. I, I I bought it during a sale. And I've never played mm-hmm. it. I start I started it, and oh, I di- I died during the tutorial. I kept dying during the tutorial, and I talked to her during a, to a friend who loves the uh, SMT franchise, and he's like, oh yeah, the very beginning and the very end are the hardest parts of that game because the very beginning you have a distinct lack of options, and it's so easy to die because of that, mm. and it's just that's super intimidating. Exactly, like, it's like when you um, it's like when you start a game. And then someone says, oh, yeah, that's 80 hours long. And you go, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not going to play this then. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm out. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think another one is probably Final Fantasy 2. Like, I own it on Game Boy Advance as part of the collection. I played a little bit, bit of it, but I have no desire to go back and experience that game. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. a reason. It's a black sheep. Yeah. To, to stick within Final Fantasy, um, I've tried Final Fantasy 8 before, and I just didn't get it. <laughs> I, uh, I I got maybe an hour in, and I, I just didn't understand. Um, I, I didn't know what a GF was or, or how I get one. <laughs> yeah, the summons and all that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think I was just um, too intimidated by um, what it was labeling everything as. Like, I'm sure it's simple when you get the oh, gist yeah. of it. Like I, I watched. I just, a, I just couldn't get it. I, I watched a buddy of mine, a guy named Clement. He's going. He's actually doing a video project for his channel, uh, where he's going through and playing every single. Uh, the, the main entry of the Final Fantasy series and he's uh, getting preparing for 9 at the moment but he did one on 8 and he was talking about like I remember that game being hard and frustrating and just kind of eh and then he talked about all these systems like where it's like oh yeah this game's super easy do this do this and it's you can break the game like no problem I'm like what? what why didn't I know about this <laughs> I think it's because I also didn't realize that enemies leveled along with you so I would grind I'm like why isn't this not getting any easier <laughs> Huh, that, that's kind of funny, actually. Mm-hmm. So, how how does the game get harder then if the enemies level? That's the thing; you? it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's, okay. it's like the thing is, if you know what you're doing in keeping in like range, like if you're just keeping your, it's all about stats. So you keep your level low, 
put your stats high from the the uh, Guardian Forces junctioning and all the spells you're drawing and stuff like that and stocking onto your stuff, you're fine. So never grind and just go about your uh, about your business. See, uh, even after you said that, I'm 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 still getting lost. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't really think I have any will to play Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, I, I I love the PlayStation games. I love seven and nine; they're great. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I, I just have no will to play eight. So. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't blame you at all. It's it it has it has some good aspects to it, but it's also another game I probably won't go back and play. <laughs> it's just like no, I'm I'm, I'm good. Mm. But um, yeah, and uh, this one might kill you, Derek. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I've played, I've played Kingdom Hearts 3D, Dream Drop Distance. Mm-hmm. I played that. I played through it all the way, and that is the only Kingdom Hearts game I've ever played. That is a terrible one to start with. <laughs> I mean, I have, that's the game. I have one and two. That's the game that finally them. confused me with the plotline. Like I was following the plotline just <laughs> fine, but 3D when they got into the time travel stuff, that's what, like what is going on? <laughs> yeah. I think I only really played 3D because it was um, it's one of Square Enix's first games on 3DS, mm. so I f- sort of felt compelled to do it. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I went back to try Kingdom Hearts 1, and I, just got, I got distracted by something else. I'm not really sure what, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, I played a little bit. But yeah, that's, that's my experience with Kingdom Hearts, just a little fling with the first one and the entirety of 3D. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I, I've heard plenty of people say that they have a hard time getting through the opening bits of uh kingdom hearts it's it's a it's a slow start it is but i think i was okay with it back in the day because it is that reaction of like oh look at that disney character oh it's donald oh my gosh it's so cool and like oh look i'm fighting titus now as a kid and fighting walk as a kid Mm -hmm. and beating up selfies like oh this is so cool it's that reaction could get you very far in that game when you're first playing it yeah i imagine so well, one thing that always kind of gets me is I'm, I'm not really sure what version of Mickey Mouse this is meant to be. Like, he doesn't remind me of any other Mickey Mouse. <laughs> and I, I'm, I think it's probably something that I need to get accustomed to because I, I kind of see all these characters as their own selves from the movies and everything, but I, I just don't recognize Mickey Mouse. I don't know who he's meant to yeah, he's, represent. Yeah, he's, he's definitely a lot more serious <laughs> than yeah. other Mickey Mouse, <laughs> mice, Mickey Ma- Mouses, mice, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, it's 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 one of those things where it's it's funny because you like the entire Kingdom Hearts. You're looking for Mickey Mouse, the original game, and he does not show up until the very last scene, and even then, only in silhouette. They tease you uh, along. So your introduction to Mickey Mouse, if you're just going playing the numbered games, because he does show up in um, Chain of Memories uh, as as part of the uh, Riku story. Um, and you get a little bit more personality there. He's just sort of this guide and helper and whatnot. But then your first introduction to him in Kingdom Hearts 2 is just as him as this complete badass taking out enemies like nothing. And he's like, That's I gotta hilarious. go. It's like, it's weird. Like, Mickey's role is essentially badass guide. <laughs> See, that's not why I pin Mickey Mouse as a character, though. <laughs> it's so weird, but you know, I'm, I'm like, the game sucks you into its logic by that point. It's like, yeah, sure, yeah. I can buy this. I mean, I, I, at some point over the summer, I need to just set some time out and just play Kingdom Hearts because it's been it's been in my backlog for so long. And um, I, I had this problem last probably last year where I just kept buying games. Mm-hmm. I had quite a bit of disposable income then, so I thought like I just needed to keep buying games. And there's a huge chunk which I just have not played, mm-hmm. 
and I really want to. Um, but yeah, yeah, Kingdom Hearts is near the top of what I want to get around to playing. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like, I, I have a huge backlog. Like, I bought both the Wolfenstein. I got both the Wolfenstein games. I want to play through those, the new ones. Uh, I still want to play through Doom. I want to play through Horizon Zero Dawn. It's just slowly working mm-hmm. through it. And, like, I'm making my way. Like, I played through the original Nier because I wanted to play that before, because I owned it already, before I played Nier Automata. And then, then God of War came out. I was like, okay, I want to play God of War. Then I'm going to play Nier Automata. But then there's also this all this other stuff to review. And it's like, oh, my God, when am I going to find time to play this yeah. stuff? Not to put more on your plate, but um, <laughs> I think I, th- I think you should definitely play Doom when you get the chance. Oh, yeah. Doom is really, really good. I played like, a- I'd say it's one of... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think it's one of the best shooters in recent memory. Mm-hmm. Like, I loved it a lot. I, I, I played a little bit of it. I... I I, and I enjoyed what I played, but I think I was also playing it the wrong way, at least for a first-time playthrough, because I was being uh-huh. I was being that guy who was being very thorough, trying to explore everywhere, find everything. And I think yeah, that, that's probably better suited to like a second playthrough. Exactly, maybe. I think that was I think I was playing too slowly. I also was like, oh, I can I got here. This game's at its best when it's at the harder difficulty, and I'm like, oh god, I'm dying so much. <laughs> so if I play yeah. if I play it again, but I'm I probably going to get normal. Like- that's the game that kind of said to me that um, that gyro is kind of becoming a standard for Switch. Mm-hmm. Like um, when, when that got the gyro patch, it was a game changer. Like it, ma- it makes it pl- like almost control like the PC version. It's so smooth, so so quick. And um, Wolfenstein Two is going to have it on Switch too. Yeah, I got to experience so, that. It's it, you're right. Like I wasn't like, like I could believe it making that big of a difference, but just playing it and seeing it make that much of a difference is amazing. Yeah. Yes, I, I didn't play Wolfenstein two either. Actually, I played the first, I played the New Order, and I played um, the Old Blood, which was the DLC. Mm. But yeah, I've not played Wolfenstein two before. But I can't wait to. Um, I, I loved the old um, the uh, New Order. It's a really good. That's game. That's what I hear. So I can't wait to play that on Switch. I'm. I'm really I do hear. Um, to it. I do hear Wolfenstein two kind of um, goes downhill a bit from what some impressions have said. Oh really. Hmm. Yeah, some people say it's a bit too. Um, like the narrative is good, but the actual gameplay scenarios are a bit of a step down. Um, I don't know. Though. I haven't played it myself. Yeah, exactly. So. It's one of we'll those see. things. Like I'm interested enough that I'm willing to see what happens. <laughs> like right. I played through all three Resistance games on the PlayStation Three, so I, I enjoyed those. Oh, Re- Resistance Three was really good mm-hmm. actually. That was in my backlog until uh, last year when someone said it's a lot like Half Life Two, which kind of like. Triggered a light bulb in my it's head, like, like hmm. I should play this game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, but yeah, I like that a lot. It was it was really funny because um, there's a weapon in the in the games, uh, the auger. You know, the one that goes through walls. Uh, the, oh the right, yeah. Walls. Um, I always found that the, we all, my group of friends always found that name kind of funny because one of our friends' last name is Auger. <laughs> so it's just <laughs> so he was a fan of that weapon right off the bat. <laughs> it's like oh sweet. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a good time. So I'm sure there's many more in my backlog that I want to get to, but I uh, who knows if I'll actually ever actually get to it. There's so many good games yeah. to play, and there's just even just more and more coming out all the time. Right. It's, it's it's extremely hard when you're in a position like Derek, where you um, are reviewing games, you're covering games every day, and it's you know your backlog's just going to keep going up and up. So it's going to be really hard for you to keep up with um, all your backlog mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's funny. I guess just prioritize what you want to play first, I suppose. Exactly. That's, that's basically what I had to do. It's like, I have a few minutes here. I have like an hour or two here. Let's play a little bit in the air and slowly chip my way through it. And that ended up being like a spending about 40 hours with it, which I did not expect that to be that long. Of course, I was getting all the endings. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, so you did one, you did near one hundred percent. Yeah, I I got I did all uh, the side quests in the, in the original near, and then I got all the endings. But but the nice thing about that is when you did the other is like okay, all the side quests are already done. I do not need to redo it, and like you can get through the second half of that story if you're just going for the main story within five hours. It yeah. does not take that long. So right, yeah, it, it's it's the kind of game that can be a fling or it can be like a real dedicated game. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, I, I think I'm growing to like those games more um, with the time I have at the moment. I love games which can be really short, but can also be really long, depending on what you want to put into them. Mm-hmm. That's a, it's a good way to just balance it out. Like, you can even just come back to it and put more time in. Like, part of me also right. wants to play New Game Plus for Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and see all the new stuff there, but I'm also like, I do not have time for another 100 hours in Xenoblade. <laughs> yeah... I started that, and I kind of regret it, because um, now you can't go back to your old save. So <laughs> I, I kind of feel motivated to finish the game again before the new DLC comes out, because I'm not entirely sure how, how you're going to get access to that. Like, yeah, I'm not sure. Is it, if, it's, if it's just like a new option on the menu, that's fine. But if I have to play to a certain point, then I guess I've got to, got to start now. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm kind of waiting on. Is wait, I'm waiting for all the DLC to finish coming out, then I'll worry about the uh, new game plus. Yeah, because I still have not. Got, I've gotten every main, like main game pre patch or updates and uh, expansion pass rare blade, except for Cosmos. <laughs> it bugs the heck out oh, of me. Oh god! I spent yeah, hours trying to get me her. Too. Mm. Yeah, I um when I got the season pass um and you get those core crystals along with mm-hmm. it, I um I did a few legendary ones and half of them gave me common blades. Mm-hmm. Yep. I that yeah. Yeah. throughout the entire game you find these legendary core crystals. Not a single one of them gave me a rare blade. And I oh and I think God. that is the worst aspect of it. Like I I feel like that's fine if the the common ones or the rare uh core core crystals don't give you rare blades all the time. They really like legendary a legendary core crystal should have guaranteed you a rare blade if you had the if you still had rare blades to get. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Like it, it feels like such wasted potential when you finally you finally get legendary core crystal, which are really rare. Mm-hmm. Like th- there's only a couple in the game, and then yep, it's nothing. Yep. Like, oh. and it's, yeah. it's, it's aggravating. That's that's probably one of the weakest aspects of two. It's just that the randomized aspect of like I, I get it in some some respects. It's fine. It works out, especially with the um, um, mercenary system, but. Otherwise, oh god! <laughs> it makes it makes every playthrough different, which I admire. Mm-hmm. But if you want to try and be a completionist, then good luck. <laughs> yeah, and I I kind of want to be a completionist because hey, each of these rare blades has their own unique story. I kind of want to see those. Right? Yeah. Ah, oh, one day. Yeah. One of these days. <laughs> Someday, probably never. <laughs> back in the backlog. Yeah, exactly. Back in the backlog. So, oh well. All right, well, I think that pretty much covers it for episode 102 of the Game Explained Real Talk podcast. And uh, as always, thank you guys so much for listening each and every week, for putting up with these uh, the lateness of some of these podcasts. Um, and yeah, if you guys want to support us on Patreon, despite all that, uh, you can get uh, just give uh, it's a dollar a month uh, to get us these 
podcast uh, three days early, hopefully, every Friday, as well as offer up topics like the ones we just had here, as well as access to exclusive channels in our uh, new Discord. So thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for episode 103. Till next time, guys. Bye.